With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm delighted to announce that Beer52.com and ourselves at For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast have come together to offer you guys something nice for the Christmas. Before the 17th of December, if you go to Beer52.com forward slash love and you cover the $5.95 postage, you'll be able to claim your free case of 10 beers. 10 beers for the price of postage seems like a no-brainer to me. So get to beer52.com forward slash love and pay the $5.95 postage and you'll be able to claim your free case of beers. Just to let you know as well that Beer52, they're a beer club like no other. They send their experts all around the globe to find the best beers. Just like I'm sure Johan Lange is doing at the moment, sending our scouts everywhere to try and find the best players to help us kick on in the Premier League and on towards Europe. Also, each month, Beer52 members will receive the Ferment magazine, which will tell you a lot that you need to know about any of the beers, breweries, and themes, if that's something that you're interested in. You'll also get two delicious snacks to wash down uh, with those frothy tins of goodness also. You can select dark beers, you can select light beers, you can select mixed cases, whatever tickles your fancy, you can do it there. Just want to remind you guys as well that after redeeming your first case, you will join the monthly beer club, which is £24 per month. But remember, there is no minimum commitment. You can pause or cancel at any time. So that's beer52.com forward slash love and pay the 5 95 postage to claim your case of 10 beers. And I hope you enjoy that offer. Now here's today's podcast. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Villains and welcome to the love Palmagrab podcast. Just a little bit of housekeeping before we start this. This is not a live podcast. So if you're watching this on YouTube and you're commenting in and you're expecting us to show your comments, unfortunately, we won't be able to do that. It's a pre-recorded podcast that we are putting out. Um, so just a small bit of housekeeping on that uh for people. And 
Oh, forgot to change my background for anyone watching. Look at that, Paddy. I've adopted the body of uh, Jacob Ramsey, it seems. Body of an Adonis there, Neil. Look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How this transport to the audio version, I wonder. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. You're going, if anybody who's listening to the audio version, you're going to have to go and watch the watch the video version as well to see that. That's uh, that's, that's what you get now. That's what I get for not changing the, the background that we have. Um, it looks like my head on Jacob Ramsey's body here. That's actually quite cool. But I will change the background now to stop distracting people. And I don't want to distract people, Paddy, from what I would term as the most complete win that we've seen an Aston Villa team have in quite, quite, quite some time. Uh, obviously, Villa 2, Norwich nil. And away win, an away win where we looked like we were playing at home uh, for a lot of the portions of the game. And an away win where we looked like we we had answers to anything that they could throw at us, Paddy. Um, it was For me, it was actually, it was, a, it was a pleasure to watch a game and not have like squeaky bum time for 70 minutes of it. Well, I'm going to slightly disagree with you um, because there, there, was, there was a period after they took off uh, Cantwell where I thought Norwich were starting to, to, to get back into it. So it wasn't completely one-way traffic, albeit I wasn't overly worried that they were going to come up with anything that would, would trouble us. But uh, yeah, I thought, but for that, maybe 12, 15 minutes where they looked like uh, Adam Ida come on and was up for it and was buzzing around the place, I thought he gave them a, a bit of a, an attacking impetus there. But other than that, I think they offered very, very little and it was comfortable. And the only thing we were missing maybe was a couple of more goals. Yeah, and, and I suppose let's go back because we did the team sheet tantrum and, you know, we spoke about what the what the makeup of the team was. I was a bit, ap not apprehensive, but I felt that the Norwich team was better than we were given a credit for. And, and they just mm. never came out of the traps and Villa... I'm not going to say we came out of the traps like a, like, a, like a bullet either, but we just looked assured and we looked content in the fact that we knew what we were doing and what our game plan was going to be. And, you know, a lot of it was, like our three midfielders were were, were fantastic on the night, I thought. Um, back four, I thought, were fantastic. Matty Cash had a couple of opportunities to bomb into the box uh, in the game and to take the ball to the defender, and he absolutely did. So I wonder, was he listening to the podcast prior to, <laughs> prior to the match? Um, uh, like the the as I said, the only negative for me was at times in the first half we were back to just crossing the ball and kind of I'm not going to say aimless crossing, but we were getting no joy from it, um, and that would be the only kind of negative I would I, mm. I, I would put and uh, and everyone dear going off late in the game. It's it's weird. Gerard said he keeps on getting kicked in the same spot, and you have to wonder you know, what, what's what's going on with his foot, I suppose, because he, he did take a nasty one from Adam Eder. You mentioned Adam Eder earlier on, mm. and uh, he just kicked the bottom of his foot, and it seemed that he was never fully right after that. Mm. Um, but I thought, I, I like, it was a measured performance, uh, specifically in the first half. The You know, like, the the first half was, like, the, the real crescendo of the first half was, it, was, was Jacob Ramsey's goal. Like, we're watching a player, you know, we're watching a player grow his wings, uh, at the moment, like he scored two goals this season. One of them was a belter against uh, against Thanks. Arsenal, was it? And then the other one yeah. was this belter again, you know. So driving runs, what we know him for, he can carry the ball. He's probably the best ball carrier we have in the team, even when Leon Bailey's there. And and he shifted the ball to his left foot. And Tim Krul, I don't think, thought 
there's any way he's going to go on his, go on his weaker foot mm-hmm. here. And he did. He shifted the ball to his left foot after running 50 yards with it and stuck it in the top corner. You know, so what a fantastic goal from a, from a kid who's brimming with confidence and he's getting the international products at, at, at under 21 level. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was listening to the Villa View pre- earlier and they, they likened him. Obviously, he's not Jude Bellingham, and they made, went to great, great uh, stakes to make to to differentiate between that. But he does have that kind of grab the ball by the scuff of the neck kind of uh, uh, mentality, and uh, and 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 like I was just delighted. I was delighted, de- delighted that he he scored a goal like that because that's something that could push him on a couple of levels very, very quickly. Um, so fair play to the kid. I was delighted for him. Mm. But like. Let's let's not underestimate how good this bloody goal was. Oh no, we're not. He took the ball a yard inside his own half and went full on Maradona. If if this was if this was messy, they'd, they'd be replaying it and replaying it and replaying it. It was just incredible. If Phil, if Phil Foden has scored that, you, there would be nothing spoken about in Sky's words exactly. news other than that. Yeah, we'd never hear the end of it. But that little move right at the end where he drew in the extra defender. With that extra little touch like at the outside of the left boot, and bang, make make no mistake, that's an incredible finish that nobody was expecting except himself, and even Tim Cruel. There was no way he was he was arrowing to go that side. He had left maybe three or four yards even free on that side from to hit. Mm-hmm. It was an incredible goal, absolutely incredible from start to finish. Great ball from Ollie Watkins, um, probably shipped a little knock there himself with the ball as well, but. To, to go to go on that run and to show such composure for a man of his tender years is brilliant. It's a bit of an insult to the goal to give Ali Watkins an assist because there's no way that Ali Watkins' pass led <laughs> to him scoring that goal. Jacob <laughs> Ramsey scored that goal. Ali Watkins' pass was consequential. That's all that was. It was the fact that he got it to another player. But like, and I, I, don't get me wrong, I have Ali Watkins in my fantasy team fantastic for me that he got an assist and a goal but like to call that Nolly Watkins assist I think is a small <laughs> bit disingenuous but look we'll take it I'm sure he'll take it for his stats as well but um no look take nothing away from from Jacob Ramsey fantastic goal and as I say you know for a midfielder sometimes it's very difficult to find a midfielder like a Frank Lampard um that will will be a great goal scorer but if you've got a midfielder that's a scorer of great goals that can be just as good because if you have a midfielder that gets three, four, five goals every season, you can count on them. Um, like McGinn, I think he got four goals last season. If he was up up at the six, and you had two midfielders who were getting six goals a season, you know that re- that that you know that carries a lot of water. You know, with regards to, to if you've got a striker that's going through a barren patch or whatever. So, um, you know, adding goals to his game is something that we always felt he could do. And we've always been big, big, big admirers of Jacob Ramsey here. He's work rate, everything he gets around the field on. And, uh, you know, subsequent managers have come in and put their real, really put their trust in him to, to to anchor down that position there. And and he absolutely has done. And he's got the just, just desserts for it there last night. And do you know what? His interview afterwards was, he's like, he's a, he's a child. You know, when you interviewed oh, yeah. him, there's no there's no airs and graces about him. There's no shite about him or anything like that. It's a case of, mm. you know, well, I was there. I, you know, I scored my goal and you know, it was a good goal or whatever. <laughs> That's fine. It's okay for him to, to be proud of scoring the goal like that. But yeah. he's not, uh, 
he's not a Billy Big Bollocks. You know, he doesn't come across that way. And uh, and Dean Smith mentioned that about him. And, and Stephen Gerrard has name-checked him there as uh, regards to being a very professional and down-to-earth yeah. guy as well. So I like that. Had, I like that. He had, he had a little bit of a, a, a banter with, with uh, Gabby Agbonlahor, who's in the studio as well. Yeah. And <clears throat> I, they're kind of very like each other. I in, was going in, to say it, yeah, but I didn't want to hear it in the same and brush. <laughs> and their dryness and everything else. Um, and I don't know whether you saw the, the Villa interview that they did with him afterwards, and he said, a great goal by me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like exactly what, what you would have heard Gabby say 20 years or 15 years ago or whatever. And uh, <clears throat> he's just a lad brimming with confidence. And, you know, it's it bodes well for the future. And... You know, it, it just it just made me look around at the fact that we, we probably need to bring in a central midfielder now to cover uh Marvelous Nakamba. And you know, it's made it makes you think, should we should we be putting all our eggs into our youth basket and seeing what's there? Can can uh, can Tim do that job for us? Um because if we if we can bring this conveyor belt through, we're gonna make ourselves a very sustainable club. Absolutely, and that that's a big thing. That's a huge thing, and and like you can you can your your five year project can become a three year project if two of these guys materialize out and know her. Yeah, you know if Carney hits the ground running, and we'll get onto him in a moment. If Jacob Ramsey becomes a six seven goal a goal a year uh, from midfield player, um and 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 sustains that form, mm-hmm. you know, and then maybe you get a Kane Kessler Hayden comes up, and then uh, and and our Ben Crescenti comes up and hit, hits hits the ground running at left back, you know. Fill some of those less glamorous positions, and then you can fire money at the big striker that you need to, or fire money at the Ruben Diaz type defender that you need to to replace Mings. Um, you know, it's it. A lot of times, and Aston Villa have been guilty of this in the past. And when I say guilty, I don't mean it as a real negative because there's a lot of players that they would have brought in that look good but then just never fitted into the team or we had a change of manager or whatever. So, like, I, I'm going to go back to the Martin O'Neill era. Like, we fired money at right back and left back and Warnock and, and Luke Young. Luke Young played pretty okay. Warnock was very wishy-washy. Then we had Nicky Shorey. Then we had Joe Bennett. Then we had, you know, it was Ali Sissoko. It was yeah. a revolving door at left back. And, yes, you might have only been buying people for three, four, five million, but they all add up to 20. Like, wouldn't it have been better to go in and buy a 25 million pound striker or a 25 million pound left back? But if you can get one of those, a left back for free. Like, and that was, that was one of the keys with Manchester United. Manchester United were able to cover a central midfield position there in, in, um, in Roy Keane, uh, you know, obviously bought in a different era, I know, but when money started to ramp up, they had their two fullbacks were going to be the two Nevilles, homegrown talents. They had a, a, a creator in, in David Beckham and, and so on. And what I'm saying is that these less glamorous positions, if they can come from your from your, your academy, then, you know, that will allow you then to to, mm. to make a five-year plan, a three-year plan, and, and, and really ramp up your recruitment. So, yeah. um, because if you'll fill out the squad naturally with a with, with a good youth, youth squad, but if you can get them into your first team, that's where the real money is to be made. And and uh, it's, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. And that's not what I wanted to talk about in the podcast, but I think it is I a know, small and, and, and it's, if you look at the revival we've had under Stephen Gerrard, take... Bertrand Traore and Leon Daly out of that. Yeah. And there, I don't think there's been a player that hasn't benefited from him coming in. The the, the turnaround, in, even if you look at Matty Target, he's a different man again. He's back to the Matty Target we had last season. That's actually true, yeah. 
Yeah, and oh, he's faced yeah, he, up against he, some some tricky customers as well. Like that yeah, Paqueta last yeah. night wasn't a bad player, but no, they, they took him off, didn't they? And I was kind of, mm. <laughs> I was glad they took him off. But uh, you know, if you if you look around that 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 uh, conveyor belt, we'll call it. You know, you mentioned Kane Kessler, Hayden, Louis Barry has to come back in. Louis Barry might benefit from coming back from loan. Because he's he's having an absolute nightmare. He's going to join actually, Kane Hesley, Kane Kessler Hayden at at Swindon. Uh, I hope which so. I think would be so. a great, like, great move for him. Yeah, just just because because we know that there's potential there. There's no like we saw him go full Maradona against Liverpool in the FA Cup, so we yeah. know he's capable of it as well. So it's just about a good manager bringing that out of a player. So uh, we've also got Cameron Archer, who we haven't mentioned, uh, Philogene Bedes, who's around the first team. Um, there's there's so much to be enthused about in what we have that maybe we're, we we don't want to look away from the bigger picture of spending lots of money, which was exactly what I did when Gerard came in. I was going, okay, he's going to buy he's going to buy a left back, he's going to buy cover from Andy Cash, he's going to buy a central midfielder. God, he might I even buy. He, will, he probably he, he might do, but I think I I he just strikes me as the kind of guy that will give these guys a chance first before he goes. Well, yeah, I, and spending loads of money. Yeah, but but yeah, I, I I definitely think that we will see a midfielder come through the door. Um, well, I, did, I, I think I, that's I, the only must at this stage. I think we might even see two. Mm. If if Nakamba's gone, and I think I like, I think he's happy with his with his McGinn, Louise, Sanson, uh, Jacob Ramsey. I think that four to be able to rotate in in the yeah. the two of the three positions. But he is going to need a specialised defensive midfielder, um, like Norwich. Look, great, greatest will in the world. Like you could play Douglas Louise in there, but Douglas Louise has been like he's like a new man since you've taken since we've taken the shackles off him. And once again, we go back to the whole big strapping, puppet booped D up, God rest him, uh, type mid type defensive uh, midfielder there who can oh, ideally would be able to play a pass would be like would just be fantastic for this team. Um, mm. But again, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't think I, I'm not. I'm not too tied up in the whole. Will he go back to Rangers and get Glen Camara piece? I, I I don't think there's a hope in hell. Ryan Kent plays for Aston Villa. I think he knocked that one on the head straight away. Just don't, I just don't think he's. I don't think he's what what we need. Um, no. we might get a no, Glen no, Camara. No. Who knows? But but no, and you've I got Bailey and Traore to come back into that squad as well. So I, yeah, I, and, uh, I think that would be a bad move. Camara, I'm I'm not sure about. I've watched him a good bit. I'm not sure he's up to that quality. I could be completely off the mark, and I'm open to correction if I am. But I, I didn't think he was that good anytime he's been up against better opposition in Europe and stuff. Um, the one thing about that position is it's, you, you mentioned the likes of Papa Booba Jop or whoever you want to put in that category. Have you noticed on a number of occasions over the last couple of weeks, uh, Konza and Ming's going full Franz Beckenbauer coming out with the yes, ball. <laughs> that was the next thing I was going to say. And, if, and we'd be bringing on Axel Tuanzebi in that stopper position. That's twice yeah. we've done it now with 10 minutes to yeah. go. So that, 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 kind of, that kind of defender frees them up to do things like that. And it's, it, at first glance, you go, what the hell is going on here? But like, it's, it's turning defence into attack because the space is there. So, you know, if they, if they can get away with that and they can do that, let them do it. Oh because yeah, I think it was the Kanza one nearly, nearly amended, uh, nearly ended in a really good chance at one stage. Mm, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's nice to see something different, and that's something that stood out for me in the last couple of weeks. Stephen Jared put his 
faith in youth once again coming off the bench and Carney Chuck Moika came on for um Emmy Bundia. Was that Ashley Young or was it Bundia? I think it was Bundia. Um came on for Bundia and uh like he's it's like as if there's no one else in the field when the ball comes near him. He is the most relaxed, he's horizontal in the mid like within a game situation. Oh, like I know he was in a bit of space, but he took that ball down brilliantly, and then just he knew he was going to get turned. And when he got turned, he like he put in a brilliant ball. Like I've been giving out about players not bombing into the box. He got into the box there, and he laid a lovely ball across. And I think that that's more valuable than the floaty lofty crosses to the back post. And 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 yeah. it's just something that I kind of I, I kind of had a rant about in, in the pre-match, but. I know the game had opened up at that stage and, you know, that they were going forward. It was just after the McLean chance as well. I think the Kenny McLean chance that he had and so on. But for Kearney to do that as well, like the confidence levels that he must have um, and the fact that he even got in on goal in that chance against Manchester City. Um, like, it, it's, Paddy, I can remember a time only two weeks ago when there was talks that he wasn't going to sign a new contract because he saw no pathway towards the first team. Well, yeah. what more do you want? He's been brought on the last three games. That's four yeah. games, maybe. and and let's be honest, we don't know that he's actually said that. That's no, that, I don't think so. No, no, no. I and, think and, never I mean, I mean, to put it up at the time, we we don't know that Nakamba is out for the season either. That hasn't been confirmed. It's, so it, it's I know it's, it, I know it seems pretty bad. But it's more likely than not. Yeah. So we'll 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 wait till we hear full full competition. And I should have said that when I I meant to say it when I went in to talk about signing a defense. Uh, defensive central midfielder mm. so um I hope it's not the case because as, as I said Nakamba has benefited immensely under Steven Gerrard he's been absolutely outstanding mm. he's been one of our better players since since Gerrard came in so yeah um I wish him a speedy recovery and I hope it's not a season now for him no no I, much the same much the same because as I say yeah. he's been one of the one of the plus points since Steven Gerrard came in if it is a case that uh, Carney has said that that he hasn't seen the pathway there's no excuses there. Get that contract on the table. Get it yeah. signed. Let's look to the future. Um, we did call him out a little bit about his pace. He does look a little bit. Um, it's it's not. Uh, it's, I don't think it's pace. I think it's just is his mind is working ahead of his body, and he's just he's just got to marry up those two. I'm beginning yeah. to think it's a long man. Like he's not. He's not. Like he's not wicked fast, and that's okay. He doesn't need to be. But I think what it is is that I just think he's just a real relaxed player, and that I was shocked by that because when you see him at when you see him at under eighteen level, and you're seeing him last year, he was at a relaxed pace, but you knew he was hit. You know, like every time you walk out in the field, everybody knew he was the best player in the field. You know, and then when yeah. you go up to the to the to the next game, you I maybe thought, okay, maybe he needs to be a small but urgent. But the more I'm seeing of him, I don't think he needs to be urgent. I think he's okay to be that Paul Pogba, Paul Pogba type language type player and yeah. and when i say language it's not a not a negative on him i think he's a long strider as well you know so we talked about buendia being really fast but buendia is like like speedy gonzalez and the fact that his legs are, are spinning around like a cartoon character whereas whereas chuck mueca is taking longer strides and I, and I and i think that you know he's he's not a manufactured athlete either chuck mueca so sometimes you see in the premier league that there are manufactured athletes that are taught how to run he doesn't look like somebody who's been taught how to run. And, and that's that's probably another thing in it as well. He's just he's just a natural player. And maybe at 18 years of age, I probably wasn't expecting that. Like, he's not going to be a track and field star, but I, I don't think his pace is going to be an issue anymore. No. And this is because I've seen him more. Yeah. I don't think his pace is going to be an issue. 
Um, he might he might benefit from a couple of games uh, if Buendia is out. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him thrown in there. Um, Ashley Young looked very lethargic last night. I think the two games was probably too much for him. I was just about so, to ask was if there was. I was just about to ask you what your negative was. Was there any kind of negative or any kind of something that you you know that you, you kind of would have taken away for thought? And I think Ashley Young was the piece for me. Yeah, I, I, think, I don't I think we see him against Burnley. No, I think I think I think he's learned now that uh, at a thirty-six year old or wherever he is at this stage, it's probably a bit too much. And I include Ashley Young in, in that group of players that is, has benefited from Gerard mm. coming in because he, he just he just seems to have a whole lot of confidence. But at that age, at that level, two games in four days is probably too much. But um, I'll allow him that one. Because uh, he, he's been very good for us and, and he's been a model professional around the team and he's been good for the young lads as well. So um, I'm not calling him out by any means because he's just been brilliant for us to have him back in there. Um, but yes, I, I do believe now is the time to throw Carney in there if, if, if that's what we've got to do in that 10 position. Put him in there, let him see what he can do from the start and, yeah. and uh, sign his bloody contract yeah, for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's really going to do it. You know, we wanted to, uh, like, like we could have dissected this Norwich game, but look, the lot, like the news out of this Norwich game is that Jacob Ramsey is coming of age, and the county Jutnwicka came on and laid a beautiful ball across, and we won two nil. Uh, Dean Smith actually just before we leave, Paddy, um, you know, he, he cut. He, like like the fans were fantastic for you know, they sang his name and stuff like that. And in the interviews afterwards, it's 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 a funny one. I think I I think he's a bit I think I think he feels a bit hard done by about leaving Aston Villa. I don't know, and I don't know, I don't know. I just got that yeah. feeling that he was kind of like he wishes as well, obviously, you know, there's nothing bad there, but I think that he feels that there was probably unfinished business at Aston Villa for him and that mm. he hadn't run his tenure. And, and and I don't know, you might you might think that you might think I'm probably reading too much into it from, from one interview after a game whereby we basically bossed him from start to finish. But did you get that feeling at all, Paddy, that he, he kind of he kind of feels he kind of comes across as being really sad to have left Aston Villa? Well, look, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it to you this way. Bo- both of us are Villa fans. Um, mm. Both never good enough to play for Aston Villa. And the same can be said of Dean, Dean Smith. He never got to that level. He got to live the dream as being the manager of the club. He led us on an amazing journey. And, mm. you know, I think we both agreed at the time that we didn't want him to go. Oh, yeah. But I with, with five defeats, I think we both agreed at that stage that there was probably no way back. If he's feeling a little bit salty, I'm completely fine with that. And well, I don't even think he's feeling salty. I just think he feels. I think but he said those people, at the, and, people uh, at the club. People at the club didn't think. The people at the club decided it was time to go, and he didn't. That's what I took out of the interview. Yeah, he talked okay. to And do you know what? I, he's fighting a losing battle there at Norwich. I don't. I don't think they're good enough to stay up. Uh, I genuinely feel sorry for him, and I do believe he's brought in there. To get them back up, I don't think he's brought them in there to keep them up. My um, original thoughts were: I think he took the wrong job. I think he, I think he should have moved heaven and earth to try and get the Middlesbrough job. So I think I think I think that he get I think he get more back. You see, there was a but, stat last night of of the last fifteen years. There's only been four years that Norwich haven't either been promoted or relegated. Or relegated, yeah, 
Yeah. That's outrageous. But that's mm. their business model. They they get promoted. If they stay up, great. If they don't, they go back down to get their balloon payments. They work hard, they go back up again. Mm. If that's what they, if that's all they have, if that's all the money they can attract, that's what they gotta do. That's the way the club is gonna be. Uh, and, and, and that that makes a lot of sense, Paddy. Because and I meant I was going to say this last night. You know, you go to and look, Jesus, far be it for me, but you, you go to the Norwich Twitter page, and in their bio, there's links to things like Delia's Canary Catering Twitter page, which has like <laughs> eleven hundred or eighteen hundred followers. You know, and they're seen as a, as a as a, a a primary sponsor of Norwich. You know, yeah. Um, it's a very colloquial town. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a regional town. It's a colloquial town. You don't expect it to have the big Abu Dhabi investment that a London club would have, or even ourselves. We're very lucky to be in the second city, uh, Aston Villa to be in the second city, because, you know, there is going to come a time when the likes of, like Burnley are really pucking outside their, outside their weight division, like, like what, what they're doing there. And, you know, you really are kind of hoping that somebody comes back and, and, and has a, pot of cash for 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 a, te- a team like that so i don't disparage this disparage norwich like that at all it's um i think it's more of a failing on the on, on the, the the global football um fraternity itself the fact yeah. that it's just going to be driven into big big towns and big cities um but like i think that and and i don't think it's a negative that norwich do live on the the parachute payments because we've seen it all too much before the likes of likes of um bolton the likes of nottingham forest the likes like all these teams that have spent above their means and been in real real difficulty you know and we yeah. were there we were nearly there once upon a time as well we were. so we were very, um, very very nearly where very I very the, close to i suppose the big one is blackburn who everybody blackburn, yes said, that's everybody said at the time uh that, that they wanted to get relegated to get the parachute payments to rebuild the club and they've never come back mm. so if, if norwich can make that a sustainable model and and manage to come back mm. all the time and, and and get that promotion you know could look to them because yeah. they, 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 whoever's there, and let's not forget, we, we spoke about Newcastle being a horrible place to go to. The infrastructure. To get I never in spoke about Newcastle being a horrible place I did. to go to. I I've did. never been sober in Newcastle, so I think <laughs> it's a grand spot. <laughs> the infrastructure to get to Norwich is an absolute nightmare. You see, I, I watched because I had so much time in my hands being off work. I watched Twitter, I watched Facebook, I watched all my friends. And the routes they were taken to get to Norwich mm. yesterday. Oh my God, I was there going. Now I know why that has never been on the top of my list as an away trip. You can't fly there. You have mm. to go through London to get the train or else you're driving across barren country. Like it's horrible. The traffic is horrible. Here's where so, I get bo- get pelters from about my English no- English uh, knowledge. East Anglia? East Anglia, yeah. And actually I was there. Uh, I was drinking with uh, Nathan from the East Anglian Lions at the Man City game. He he met us in the pub early in the day and he was talking us through his trip up from Ipswich <laughs> and I was going, Jesus Christ, man. It's easier for us to come from Ireland to get a flight yeah. into Birmingham and get a 10-minute yeah. train journey in from uh, Birmingham International. Absolutely. And he, he's got to drive up from whatever, 9 o'clock in the morning just to avoid the traffic and get into Birmingham, park up the car, book a hotel, you're now you're very rarely doing a day trip, so yeah. it's it's you know trying to attract people there is tough. I know it's near the seaside. I don't know what the, the seaside towns are like down there, but uh, it's it's a small town. There's there's probably not much scope for developing the stadium there or making it bigger because they probably won't attract the crowd to come in there. So it's probably not within 
even what their what their thoughts are. So, look, I I wish G- Dean Smith all the, and I'm after going yeah. off the tangent there. Sorry about that. I I wish Dean Smith all the best. If if they've got to go down, I would love Norwich to stay up. I I really would. I'd love it just for him. I'd love him to to stick two fingers up to the world and say, look, I I did oh, yeah, that. Yeah. I did that job that you said was impossible. And at the moment, I do think it's impossible. But if he does it, more power to him. Well, if teams above them uh, keep losing 7 0, you know, they might be able to. Um, to... <laughs> To, to, to claw back and that's not a that's not a joy but leads um but that was a fair a fair performance from man city you look man city yeah. you're a team that won a won a uh, premier league on goal difference and never forgot it now, every year they pull out a result like that against somebody and yeah. uh you know that was that was ruthless ruthless aggression from them last night but this isn't the leads nor man city podcast and and, and, and you know I, I i think that Bielsa is a fantastic manager and i think he will Get it right, and a lot of people are talking about him getting the boot. There's no way he's getting the boot if he's go- if he's leaving. He's leaving Ellen Road. He's leaving on his own terms because of what he's done for them. Well, so, I know it's, uh, I know it's not a Leeds podca- podcast, but we do have them on the horizon. Yes, and that's and that's why I brought it. That's why I brought them, brought them up because so we do have them uh, on New Year's 28th, Day, twenty eighth, I think, or 29th. 28, 29th. Yeah, yeah, around the New Year's fixture. Yeah, yeah. So, so. it's uh, it's it's suddenly a game I'm looking forward. to. <laughs> So uh, it, I'm never it, looking forward to a game against them. They're like they're they're, yeah, they're the epitome of a scorpion backed into backed into a corner, you know. Yeah, it's always a decent scrap, and and we're living rent free in their head. So uh, <laughs> I look I look forward to, to to playing them, and hopefully we can uh, we can do a number on them because uh, that's a long time coming as well. But they're genuinely in trouble, and I actually fell for Bielsa last night. His his interview was was a very very hard watch. Uh, there was no long sentence. Yeah, his worst ever loss as a manager, wasn't it? It was his worst, worst loss as a manager. But, but yeah. I don't, I don't think he like he's a fella. That that's water for ducks back to him. He's. No, I'm not sure. He looked, he looked broken. He didn't even look at the interviewer. He, he just he gave his response to the interpreter. The interpreter they were short and sharp, and he just looked like a broken man. I really felt for him now, to be honest. Bielsa will be fine. He's Bielsa will be fine. Don't you worry about about that. He's uh, he'll have a trick up his sleeve, I'm sure. Um. Anyway, we're going to leave it there because we could spend another ninety minutes talking about other teams in the league, and we don't want to exist in Aston Villa podcast. But thanks everybody so much for listening. Just once again, uh, apologies this one wasn't live. Uh, we will be back with another live preview pod of the for for the Burnley game. And we will obviously be back for the team sheet tantrum for the game on Saturday as well. And we're on the cusp of a wave. We have, what, 12 points from possible 18 at the moment. Let's make it 15 points from a possible 21 at the in the coming weekend. And let's bask in the glory of our academy stars who came on and turned this game. Uh, or well, one came on and 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 sewed it up for us, but the other the other guy single handedly turned the game in the first half in our favour, and and that's something to be be uh, proud of. So thanks everybody so much for listening, and we will be back later on in the week with another podcast. But until then, all that's left to say is up the villa, up the villa. Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.